This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to the flagship show with Eric Woods. Welcome back to our celebration of John Williams's 90th birthday, right here on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. John Williams turns 90 today, on February 8th, 2022. This is the final part of this mammoth six-part series dedicated to John Williams. During this part, we'll be featuring music from 2005 all the way through to 2019. Two thousand five turned out to be one of the busiest years of John Williams's career, and one where he would supply one fabulous score after another, all ranging in different styles and tone. Up first, the last film of the Star Wars prequels, *Revenge of the Sith*. This would also be John Williams's last Star Wars score, recorded with the London Symphony Orchestra. There are new themes in this score, including one for the cyborg, General Grievous. Fantastic. But the new main theme for the picture is a gigantic choral piece for the climactic battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Even though it's a big piece covering a lightsaber fight, it really is, at its core, one of the most emotional pieces of music in the entire prequel trilogy. Thank you. 
Battle of the Heroes from Revenge of the Sith, released in 2005. That same year, John Williams would work on two Steven Spielberg films. The first score Williams wrote for Spielberg was for the summer blockbuster remake of War of the Worlds. For this score, Williams made a radical change in his composing style. Instead of focusing on writing themes or central themes, and really, melody in this score is rather subdued, Williams based the score more on rhythms and wrote one of the most primitive, angry, violent, intense, and horrific scores of his career.
That was the track Red Planet from War of the Worlds, released in 2005. John Williams' second Steven Spielberg score of the year was for Munich, a film inspired by the tragic events in 1972 at the games of the 20th Olympiad in Munich, Germany, where Black September kidnapped and murdered 11 members of the Israeli Olympic team. Much like Schindler's List, Spielberg and Williams agreed that restraint would be the way to go musically for this film since it had more of a documentary feel to it. Capturing realism was a key ingredient for the film. In order to capture that, Williams felt it was best to leave the orchestra out as much as possible. It's not completely devoid of music or orchestra, but the film isn't wallpapered with music. Much of Williams' score tried to capture the atmosphere of the Middle East. There's also a synth heartbeat sound that plays through the extremely suspenseful moments in the film. The score, however, is highlighted by the lamentation of the track, A Prayer for Peace.
A Prayer for Peace from 2005's Munich. The last score John Williams would write in 2005 was for Rob Marshall's Memoirs of a Geisha. This film, along with AI, is one of the finest dramatic scores John Williams has written this century. Williams had this to say about the score when chatting with Timothy Megan for Gramophone. Quote, Before I saw the film, having read the book, I thought that somehow the voice of Sayuri, the little girl, could be represented by the sound of a cello. Is not Japanese particularly, and Yoyoma, who plays the cello on this score, is Chinese-American. But I think the biggest single mission, perhaps, of the filmmakers and myself is to seek universalism in the story, in the music, and the emotions. Ishtak Perlman was also one of the soloists in this score. His violin was used for the romantic chairman's waltz. The score is highlighted by the brilliant combination of visuals and music in the scene Becoming a Geisha.
Becoming a Geisha, from 2005's Memoirs of a Geisha. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. After 2005, where he scored four films, John Williams took a bit of a breather from Hollywood film scoring. He would still conduct various concerts across the United States and write some new concert music. In 2008, John Williams would write his first film score in three years for the surprising fourth film in the Indiana Jones saga called Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. This time, it's the year 1957. Indiana Jones is after the mysterious Crystal Skull and is in search of an ancient city of God in the remote corners of Peru. Indy is joined by Mutt, played by Shia LaBeouf, Mac, played by Ray Winstone, and is reunited with Raiders flame Marion Ravenwood, played again by Karen Allen. They are all pursued by Russians this time, led by the icy cold, devastatingly beautiful Irina Spalko, played by Kate Blanchett. The film was a box office hit, but didn't sit well with critics or fans either. It had its moments, but it clearly is the black sheep of the family. However, in saying that, John Williams did write an exciting score and came up with three brand new themes, one for Spalco, one for the Crystal Skull itself, and an adventure theme for Indy's son called The Adventures of Mutt, which on its own is a great standalone piece full of youth, vigor, and swashbuckling excitement.
Adventures of Mutt from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, released in 2008. exciting, and extremely colorful and lively celebratory theme for PBS's Great Performances, written in 2009. In 2011, John Williams returned to film scoring after a three-year hiatus, writing the music for two new Steven Spielberg films. The first was for the animated adventure based on the comic by Herge called The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. This would be the first animated film Steven Spielberg had directed and the first animated film John Williams would write the music for. This score feels like an extension of his score to the fourth Indiana Jones adventure. Williams' score is chocked full of inspiring themes and a real sense of exuberance and whimsy. Thank you. 
The adventure continues from The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, released in 2011. The final score John Williams would write in 2011 was for Steven Spielberg's epic World War I film about a boy and his horse. War Horse returned to a more old-fashioned style of filmmaking, and Williams adapted the same sort of style for his score. It's a full-bodied, old-fashioned, meant-to-be-noticed, sweeping score inspired by the pastoral scores of Vaughn Williams and the wide-open Americana sound of Aaron Copeland. With a Celtic touch, this is Vintage John Williams.
Dartmoor, 1912, from War Horse, composed by John Williams, released in 2011. In 2012, Steven Spielberg directed Academy Award winner Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln, a revealing drama that focuses on the 16th President of the United States of America's tumultuous final months in office. John Williams's score is brilliantly spotted, and whenever the score appears, it plays a significant role with the drama unfolding on screen. It's uncharacteristically restrained. The score draws inspiration from Aaron Copeland and Williams' own commissions for Saving Private Ryan, JFK, and The Patriot. The music is melodic, dramatic, at times playful, and very delicate. The recording of each solo instrument in the score is also really lovely. The score was actually performed by the renowned Chicago Symphony Orchestra and Chicago Symphony Chorus, Lincoln's home state was Illinois, with solos by a number of the orchestra's distinguished principal players, including concertmaster Robert Chen and principal trumpet Christopher Martin.
The People's House, from the 2012 film Lincoln. You're listening to The Flagship Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network with your host, Eric Woods. In 2013, John Williams would work on The Book Thief for director Brian Percival. This would be the first film John Williams had composed the music to since 2000 that wasn't touched by George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. And of course, that 2000 film was The Patriot. This film is based on the beloved international best-selling book and tells the story of an extraordinary, spirited young girl sent to live with a foster family in World War II Germany. Intrigued by the only book she brought with her, she begins collecting books as she finds them. With the help of her new parents and a secret guest under the stairs, she learns to read and create a magical world that inspires them all. John Williams' score is yet another classy effort. The film was an illumination to Williams and felt that the score could help express that emotion by the way of crafting something lyrical that could distract the audience from the anguish and brutalization of the war around our central character. The main piano melody plays as a, quote, code, unquote, for the young character Lisa and her attraction to books. One small fact from The Book Thief, released in 2013. We're going to quickly deviate from film for a moment and concentrate on an interesting and personal piece John Williams wrote called Fanfare for Fenway to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Fenway Park in Boston in 2012. 
John Williams' mother was a Boston native and a lover of Fenway Park who imparted a strong familial connection to the city in her California-born son. Regarding his inspiration for the piece, John Williams is quoted as saying, quote, when you think about Boston, Harvard and MIT are the brains of the city and its soul might be the state house or the old church. But I think the pulsing, pounding heart of Boston is Fenway Park, where the Boston Red Sox play. When it's empty, being in Fenway is like being in a cathedral. You can sense all the great performances that have taken place over the decades and the millions of happy people who have sat in those seats. It's a very inspiring place. End quote.
Fanfare for Fenway, composed in 2014. When George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney in 2012, many speculated about the chances of seeing a new Star Wars film, or films. In 2015, speculation became a reality. But would John Williams be willing to return to a galaxy far, far away? With J.J. Abrams directing, many thought that his friendship with Michael Giacchino would mean that he would score the film. But in fact, Abrams' first choice was always John Williams, and Williams agreed to score The Force Awakens. The film jumps 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Luke Skywalker is lost, and the former rebels, now the Resistance, is out to find him before the newly formed New Order does. For the score, John Williams was in fine form, writing a plethora of new themes for all the new characters, Finn, Poe, Kylo Ren, the Resistance, even the Jedi steps at the end of the film got a theme. However, the score's central theme was inspired by the wonderful performance by Daisy Ridley as the new heroine, Rey. Williams wrote what could arguably be his most personal theme to date, called Rey's Theme. Williams was absolutely infatuated with Ridley and her presence on screen that he wrote a theme worthy of including in the best of the best for the Star Wars saga.
Ray's theme from John Williams' incredible score and one of the best scores of the century, The Force Awakens, released in 2015. That same year, Williams would work on the Steven Spielberg-directed children's film The BFG, based on the 1982 novel of the same name by Raoul Dahl. In the film, an elderly giant befriends an orphan human girl who accompanies him on a mission in giant country that involves stopping the man-eating giants. The film offered Williams a unique opportunity musically and orchestrally. The film reminded Williams of a child opera or ballet with dances involved. So stylistically, Williams went for a score that felt like a ballet or orchestral dance, something that Williams has yet to provide for any other Steven Spielberg film. Williams felt the freedom to really indulge himself, have some fun with the score, and it certainly shows in the extremely colorful orchestrations, whimsical style, and youthful energy of the compositions.
Sophie and the BFG, from the BFG, released in 2015. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. The Last Jedi, the second film in the Star Wars sequel trilogy, would have Ryan Johnson in the director's chair this time. What Johnson ended up producing was one of the most divisive Star Wars films of all time. Some felt that this was the best film since The Empire Strikes Back, while others said the polar opposite. The film was released in 2017, and John Williams returned to write the score. He wrote over 180 minutes of music for the film, which was essentially scored wall to wall. And he brought with him all of the new themes that were written for The Force Awakens, as well as many existing themes from the other Star Wars films. And he utilizes those themes quite a bit in this score. On top of that, there's a new character theme for General Holdo. Another new character, Rose, gets a brand new theme, and there's a theme that Frank Lehman labels as Luke in Exile, which is highlighted by Luke Skywalker's travels across his tiny island of Aktu, with Rey only steps behind. The track, The Rebellion is Reborn, goes back and forth between Rose's theme and the Exile theme.
The Rebellion is Reborn from The Last Jedi, released in 2017. That same year, John Williams would work again with Steven Spielberg on the historical political thriller The Post, starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. John Williams has never been in a newsroom, but could imagine it being a very noisy environment back in the days of typewriters. Williams didn't think that the music would fit in the newsroom scenes due to the battle of sound effects and music, but in actuality, some of the key moments of Williams' sparse but impressive score are heard in the newsroom. Williams is not one to shy away from emoting in his music. One of the key moments for Williams, a scene that he likes quite a bit, was the final decision by the Supreme Court to allow the publication of the Pentagon Papers. There's a moment of great exultation, and Williams lets the emotion pour out across the orchestra. The score as a whole is short, but that doesn't mean it's not impactful because this is one of the best spotted Spielberg films ever. Much of the film plays without music, but when Williams' music is needed, it ramps up the drama and makes you pay attention. The stunning montage of the presses rolling near the end of the film, Williams again proves to us why he is the king of musical storytelling in film.
the press's role from the post released in 2017 a year later the second star wars story film was released this time telling the tale of han solo the film was called solo a star wars story and would be scored by john powell who would deliver one of the best star wars scores ever written and got some help from star wars veteran john williams who would finally give han solo a theme of his own
The Adventures of Han from Solo, a Star Wars story, released in 2018. Before the release of the last Star Wars sequel trilogy film, John Williams would write music for another Star Wars property, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now, Galaxy's Edge is a themed area inspired by the Star Wars franchise, located in Disneyland in Anaheim and in Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. The Disneyland version opened in May of 2019 and Disney's Hollywood Studios version opened in August of 2019. John Williams composed the main musical theme for Galaxy's Edge. John Burlingame for Variety goes on to explain that Williams' theme is interpolated and arranged diversely throughout the land as ambient music instead of its own traditional symphonic format. William Ross, who conducted the symphonic recording of the theme with the London Symphony Orchestra on John Williams' behalf, was also responsible for arranging Williams' original composition in different musical contexts for use. Ross and the London Symphony Orchestra recorded nearly an hour of musical material at Abbey Road Studios in November of 2018.
Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Symphonic Suite, written by, written by John Williams in 2018 and was released in 2019. the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. In 2019, John Williams would write his last full Star Wars score, then saying he was retiring from Star Wars after the rise of Skywalker. Before talking about the film, and no matter what you think of Star Wars and the Star Wars films as a whole, you have to admit that we are incredibly blessed and thankful as film music lovers that John Williams, after the rise of Skywalker, left us with nine movements in a massive Star Wars symphony with an almost too many to count collection of timeless themes. It's quite an achievement, and I think we're so lucky to be living in a time when we could witness this unbelievable achievement in film scoring. As for The Rise of Skywalker, there are at least four new themes. One is this incredible rapid-fire trumpet motif for the Knights of Ren. I absolutely love it. Uh, there's the Anthem of Evil, which is the new bad guy motif that doesn't really get a lot of play in the film. The two others are part of the concert suite, The Rise of Skywalker, which houses the friendship theme, and the victory theme.
Rise of Skywalker suite from the 2019 film of the same name. Well, we have finally come to the end of this epic six-part tribute to the great John Williams. I really hope you were able to discover something new in Williams' repertoire that you might not have heard before or that you were reintroduced to a score that you haven't heard in a while. Also, I hope that this program demonstrates John Williams' diversity as a composer, who obviously isn't a one-trick pony. Most of all, I hope these programs brought you a sense of joy or jump-started a memory forever associated with one of your favorite films or TV shows that you might have enjoyed with close friends or family. John Williams' music will always be with us. His music, like no other, has touched numerous generations of film and film music fans, young and old alike, and his unforgettable melodies have been imprinted in our memories and will stay in our hearts forever. This program could not have been possible without the following. So a special thanks to the John Williams Collection at jw-music.net, great resource for everything John Williams, as well as jwfan.com. The following labels have been a great support to me over the years and have supplied the show with some of the music you heard in this podcast special, including La La Land Records, GMP Crescendo Records, Sony Classical, Filmscore Monthly, Verez Saraband Records, Decca Records, Intrada Records, and Quartet Records. Also, a big shout out to one of our Cinematic Sound Radio podcast hosts and the voice of Cinematic Sound Radio, Tim Burden, who helped with the production of this show. And now, we end the program with the joyous Happy Birthday Variations, as arranged by John Williams for the 2012 album a tribute to John Williams, an 80th birthday celebration, as recorded with the Recording Arts Orchestra of Los Angeles. My name is Eric Woods. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast and this six-part tribute to John Williams. Until next time, take care wherever you are in this world, and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>